The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Well, welcome to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt. I'm continuing on for our beloved uh, founder, Dan Celia, who's gone into glory earlier this year. So thanks for being with us today. If you're watching us on Facebook, please share us with your friends and family. You can also post comments and questions there, as well as on YouTube or our website. The best way to get us is on the phone app. So just uh, mention that uh, if you're watching us on Saturday, we are not live But uh, I do this uh, economic update for your benefit. We do miss you if you're listening on AFR on Saturday. is the only day that you can catch us right now. You can ask them, though, to put us back in our spot at 8 o'clock Central Time, 9 o'clock Eastern Time every day of the week so you can catch us. But if you can't catch us there, you can always get us on the phone app. You can watch us live or go back later and watch. So just want to give a campaign update. As many of you know, we are in the the home stretch of our fiscal year, and we want to finish strong in the same way that our founder, Dan Celia, had always done. So I am very excited and pleased to tell you that because of you and your heart, your generous hearts for giving, we have met our goal of $100,000. Now, that included a $50,000 match from a very generous donor in Texas. So what I would say is that if God has moved on your heart, don't let that stop you from giving. Be obedient. Um, If anything, I would say maybe we missed the Lord on setting the goal. Maybe we should have set it higher. So we did just ask for what we needed to to do the program of work that is before us, but we have lots of vision that we didn't ask for funding for. So um, if you continue to give, we'll be able to implement some of that vision that the Lord started with Dan, you know, the news program and all of the other content that uh, he's doing there. So I just encourage you to do that. Go to the website, financialissues.org, click on the Sons of Issachar banner, and if you give in that way, you'll get a Sons of Issachar shirt that Dan always asked that you pray that that he and now we might be worthy to be found as sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times. So speaking of understanding of the times, let's look at some financial issues. Here's kind of a recap of what's happened this last week. In housing, we had uh, new home data come out. Housing starts for August, bumped up a little bit for the month, but overall they're still sluggish due to rising mortgage rates, some supply chain issues, and a decrease in home buying traffic. Building permits, which is a forward-looking number, the number we just looked at was backward-looking, indicates that the downward trend will continue as building permits have continued to slow down. Existing home sales also came out. They're trending lower as well. We're below the pre-COVID levels for existing home sales. And a lot of that has to do with mortgage rates being over 6%. You ready for this? Now at 6.25%. So housing prices have gone up. That's the highest mortgage rate that we've seen since 2008 toward the end of the the housing crisis, uh, financial crisis there. And housing prices and cost to buy and rent continue to soar. The labor market is still strong as we saw initial and continuing jobless claims lower and the four-week moving average continue to go lower too. Well, the issue there, the hidden issue there is labor participation. We just don't have enough people who are willing to work. Labor participation, they say, has uh, recovered back to pre-pandemic levels, but it's still historically at lows. We've got 11.2 million job openings for uh, out there. That's almost two job openings for every person that's wanting to work. So until inflation pushes them back into the labor market, um, if government doesn't pay them to continue to stay home, uh, we won't see any relief there. So the big news, of course, is the Fed and inflation news. So on Wednesday of this week, the FOMC 
issued their rate decision to increase rates another 75 basis points. Um, that was very much expected. Uh, the market's kind of been all over the place this week, but it just it just doesn't know how to digest this news quite yet. But the more important piece of data that came out of that meeting is that the now the Fed has now fully admitted their mistake of saying that inflation was transitory in indicating that it is anything but transitory, now calling it sticky. So, and they're willing to do anything that they have to do to get that under control. Well, the flip side of this rate coin is that the Fed has actually increased their balance sheet last week by $10 billion. Um, That reducing their balance sheet tends to take money out of the system. So essentially what's happening here is they've got one foot on the gas with not tightening as much as they had said they were going to, letting uh, debt roll off of their balance sheet, and one foot on the brakes by raising interest rates. So the facts are that Americans are feeling this inflation and feeling it very strongly. Um, we've been spending four to $600 a month more on spending just on our necessities. So although consumer spending is still holding up pretty good, consumers are shifting their buying habits as they are forced to spend more money on the necessities and less on the discretionary um, parts of their budget. Groceries, Inflation in groceries now is as high as it was in the 70s. So the Consumer Price Index is a measure of the average change over time of regular things that we spend money on, like rent, utilities, car and home purchases, health care, food, and gas. And the Fed looks at CPI as a measure of inflation to kind of guide their policy. So for June and July of 22, the national average of CPI was 296. That is a 14% uh, increase from the end of 2020. So yes, we're at 8.3% year-over-year inflation, but if we go from the end of 2020, which, by the way, that's when we started injecting all of that liquidity into the system as COVID relief, we saw inflation start to skyrocket. So the top 20 cities that are experiencing the highest inflation, you know, overall it's 14% up since the end of 2020. But here's the list. Honolulu up uh, 11.7%. Denver, Washington, D.C., Los Angeles, um, all in the 13 to 14% range. Uh Philly and Chicago, San Diego, also in the 14% range. St. Louis, Minneapolis, Houston, Dallas, Detroit, Baltimore, all in the 15% range. Miami, Seattle, Riverside, all in the 16% range. Phoenix and Tampa up 17% or more. Atlanta and Anchorage up 19%. So what do most of these cities have in common? Democratic leadership. So when will we see the government start to issue inflation checks? Oh, well, it's already happening. Some states, more than a dozen states, are already doing that. Well, you know, Dan always used to say we can't spend our way into prosperity, but it looks like we haven't learned. We'll see this massive spending continue. Um, the 10-year bond is now at uh, 3.56, and the two-year is uh, breaching 4%. So still not um, great if you're a fixed income investor. If you are looking for some fixed income, you could look at the AFA Charitable Gift Annuity. It's a great way to give money into kingdom work by giving a gift to the AFA Foundation and getting a tax deduction and some permanent income. You can find the link to that on our on our website at financialissues.org. Well, I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this break. Thank you for your services, and I just want to call to encourage everybody listening to become members. At Financial Issues Stewardship Ministries, our goal is to help Christians make financial decisions that honor God. I have never found anyone in the finances, even Christians, who have this passion and and the honesty that you have. You're not taking anything in. 
It is incredibly generous of you what you're doing. Go to financialissues.org and become a partner today. All throughout the red light district in India, women are trapped in a cycle of survival through prostitution. But they're not alone. Their children are there, hiding in back alleys, under a bed, or asleep in a room not far from the drugs and brothels outside. Five million of these children are trapped in the red light districts of India, at a high risk of being abused or used in the trade themselves. But India Partners has made a way for you to rescue these children and relocate them to a safe, clean home in a safe neighborhood where not only their physical needs will be provided for, but they'll be introduced to the love of Jesus. And hopefully, with these resources, both the child and their mother can escape the sex trade and start a new life outside the red light district. Just $62 will provide a week of safety for one of these children, and $275 will provide for a whole month. Visit IndiaPartners.org to see how you your gift can reach into the red light district and provide days of safety for one of these 5 million children. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? Mm, no. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union, your money building God's kingdom. People are talking a lot about healthcare these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs, and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us at Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt, and let's get right to calls. We have Gail calling from Texas. Hi, Gail. Hi, Shanna. I'm 65 and older. (laughs) And um, for those of us that have the traditional, the Roth and a joint brokerage account, um, I just was curious. I know, I think you've mentioned before, ETF-5, you recommend in a non-qualified joint brokerage. But on the TM-68, TM-72, and TM-59, is there a particular um, account that you might recommend those be purchased in? Yep. That's great. So I'm so glad to see that you're diversifying in your types of account between qualified and non-qualified account, trying to get a good balance there. Of course, the non-qualified accounts are the most free type of account. You know, you don't have restrictions. You don't have um, required minimum distributions or anything like that. Um, So I'm glad to see that you're doing that. Now, here's the theory behind the advice that I give. So when you have a qualified account that is an IRA, most of the time, all of that money has never had taxes paid on it. You got a tax deduction for putting the money in and it's continued to grow tax deferred for so long. So what happens is that the money that you have inside that account, when you grow it, you're not only growing it for you, but you're growing it for the government as well. So keeping in mind that you're going to have to take some distributions down the road as required minimum distributions, it's good to have the slowest growing part of your portfolio and the highest income producing part of your portfolio 
in that type of account. Because remember, you know, whatever you grow, you're growing for you and the government. So you want to have something in there that's going to generate some cash uh, down the road whenever you have to take those required minimum distributions out. So the TM-68 and the TM-59 are great positions to hold inside that type of account. Because, you know, whenever you look at the tracker, you're putting all your positions on there, whether you own them in your Roth, your traditional, or your non-qualified. So all three of these accounts make up your total portfolio. On the opposite end of the spectrum, you have your Roth account. Now, as long as the government never changes the rules, the money in that account is never going to have to be taxed in the future when you take it out. So that's the account that you want to hold your highest, uh, your assets with the highest potential for growth because all of that growth, the money that you put in was already taxed, but the growth on that, if the law stay the same, will never be taxed. So the aggressive part in the Roth, the slowest growth in the IRA account, and then you have that non-qualified account. So the ETFs are great uh, things to hold in that type of account especially if you're using the enhanced version of it, because the enhanced version has some safety nets. You know, if the index that it follows drops so far, it can move to cash. Now, if you make a move to cash in a non-qualified account, you could be subject to capital gains if you sell out of your positions. And ETF has a special kind of tax treatment in that this particular uh, ETF that we're talking about that has the enhanced strategy or the two that have the enhanced strategy, they can move to a cash position within the ETF and cause you no tax consequence. So those ETFs are great to hold in the non-qualified account. Um, If you have more money there that you need to allocate, then you want to start looking at some of the foundational stocks, um, ones that you are likely to not ever have to sell and incur those capital gains on. And the TM72 would fall into? The Roth. That's going to be the high growth. Great. Okay. Thank you so very much. Appreciate it. Well, great. Thanks for calling, Gail. We appreciate your support. Well, let's go to Karen. Karen's calling us from Virginia. Yes. Good morning, Shanna. And um, before I ask my question, I just want to give a shout out to Seth. Uh, he answered my question on Thursday about how to speak to my church's con- my congregation about biblically responsible investing. And it went great on Sunday. Um, he gave great advice. And I found a wonderful quote in the Fear of Money book. And also thank Pat because she sent me some of the screens, a few sample screens that I could share with them. So um, they've asked me to do an article in the church newsletter and also a follow-up session so they could answer questions. So I I really appreciate the help from all of of the Financial Issues team and also let you know that the show is in great hands even when you're not able to be there. So I appreciate that. (laughs) That's great. Thank you for being a warrior for the cause. Thanks. My question today is about the, the colors of the stocks in the um, either the broad list or the, the buy list, wherever they are. Some of them are a, a dark blue background with yellow um, highlighting, and others are yellow background with a dark blue writing. So um, I know what the colors mean, but I wasn't sure if there's a difference in the stocks that are dark blue with yellow writing and the stocks that are yellow with dark blue writing. Is there any difference between those or is it just two different ways to show that they're both foundational and income? Yeah, so they're both foundational and income. We are working on the back end of the website. We're Our goal is to get a reference sheet for you that's a little bit more reader-friendly. I know sometimes on those ones that are highlighted in blue that um, – it's hard to tell if the writing is white or yellow, but we try to include, and especially I'm doing a lot of this work when when we're moving things from the broad list onto the buy list, we're updating the descriptions and things like that. I know a lot of times partners will use the broad list not, not to buy things from, but to uh, learn about and know how to categorize the holdings that they already have that may have been on the buy list before. So we're working on getting a reference sheet there that is sortable, and it's going to have all of the great information that you need. It's just taken a little bit. Technology is not my wheelhouse. And so, you know, it's taken us a little bit of time to work through that. Okay, so they're they're basically both the same. Either, Either combination means the same thing. 
Yeah, if you have some some uh, examples, the call letters, not necessarily the uh, ticker symbols. If you could share those with us, um, either I'll let you. I'll put you on hold and and let you talk to the call screener if you have those. If not, if you could email them to Pat, I'll take a look at those and and just make sure that there's that there's not any any glitches or errors. Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thanks for calling. We appreciate it. All right. Let's get James from Alabama. Hey, Shannon. This is James. Um, my father-in-law, has a, he, he has a house. He's 82 years old, has a house. He owes $130,000 on it. He was, he's going to gift that to uh, my wife and me. And he just wants to know, should he pay the house off and, and gift it to us that way? Or is he better leaving us? The, leaving us cash. Um, where is the money now? Is it just like in a something it's, safe, it's like ca- a cash? It's just ca- cash. Okay. So what I would say is um, the way that I look at mortgage debt is that uh, if you have the money to pay off the mortgage, it's not really a debt. It's a monthly liability. So I would take a look and see what his interest rate is, see what that's costing him. Um, he always has the cash there to pay it off. And then if if his sole intent uh, behind this question is to uh, is in how he's going to pass it on to you guys, then, you know, maybe you guys should have a conversation about do you really do you, would you rather have the house or would you rather have the cash? So. When you the the, ca- the money is going to be invested in one way or another, it's either going to be invested in cash as a preservation asset, or it's going to be invested in the house. Now the difference is how you get to access that money. So when it does pass to you, if it's invested or if it's um, invested in the house by paying off the mortgage, then you actually have to sell the property in order to get the cash from it. So you may also have other expenses in trying to settle the estate like probate or, um, you know, just life, end of life expenses, paying for a funeral. So if it would be better for you to have the cash there to take care of some of those things, rather than having to wait on the sale of the house, then um, I would vote for not paying it off. But if you would, if you're if you're going to keep the house, then maybe you just um, go ahead and pay it off. All right. Well, I should appreciate the information. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. Thanks for calling. All right. Well, Seth, what else do we have on social? A couple more things just came in here, Shanna. I got one from Brian from Missouri saying, Shanna, I counted and I have 73 stock positions in my portfolio. I should pare those down to around 50 max. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, the way that you that you want to look at that, I think that is uh, too many. When you're looking at the asset allocation models, the target for the individual companies uh, in the different sectors is going to be between one and two and a half percent. So, for example, if you have a sector that only has a three percent allocation, you want to try to pare that sector down to maybe three stocks with one percent in each position. Now. Asset allocation models are subject to change over time as we uh, respond to changes in economic conditions. So let's say down the road that that sector goes from 3% to 5%. Well, then that's your opportunity to add another one or two stocks into that sector. So if it's a sector that has like a 12% weighting, maybe you want to have six stocks there at 2% each. Now that doesn't apply to the mutual funds or ETF positions that that are um, allocated to a higher percentage. You know, you may have something, a fund that's 5% allocation or an ETF that's a 5 or 10% allocation. So that doesn't apply to that, just to the individual stock position. But that's a great question, and I'm glad he asked. Shannon, it looks like we might have time for one or two Ask Shanna questions here. Okay. Uh, let's get Tony. I recently canceled an annuity and now have 22% in cash in my income allocation model. I spend all the income earned. I am short of the target allocation in these categories. Fixed income, high yield bonds, defensive strategies, and technology. Which of these sectors should I be buying now or should I wait or dollar cost average? I'm from mm. Northern Minnesota and I'm 65 years old. Okay, great question. So I think if you're an income investor, the uh, the important thing is to be able to start generating that income 
looking at the sectors that he's light in, it sounds like he's probably got a good good income going because he's got the stocks in the sectors that are paying good good income. So the answer is for me most of the time it's going to be the dollar cost average. So we're in some very volatile times with inflation and the Fed raising rates. We're going to I think we're going to see more of that. We're going to see more volatility. So the way that you take advantage of volatility is to dollar cost average. So I would maybe split up um, your time between the next four to six months and just once a month do a little bit into each. So um, whatever you, you have to do, go into the, the fixed income, the, the high-yield bond, the defensive strategies, and the technology, and do it a little bit, uh, little by little, you know, scriptural principle, once a month. Well, I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues. Stay tuned. We'll be back right after this break. know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Securities offered through G.A. Reppel & Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, member FINRA and SIPC. Opinions expressed by Shanna are hers alone and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily represent those of G.A. Reppel or the outlet on which you are listening. You should consider how the information applies to your situation prior to personally implementing it and consult any financial professional you work with to make sure it's applicable to your financial plan. Well, welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burton. I hope you listened to that disclaimer there. Apparently, some people are listening because I did receive, my broker-dealer actually received a letter that was addressed to me about something that I said here on the show. Just want to remind you that if you have comments about that, make sure that you send them to the ministry rather than my broker-dealer. That is the um, private side of <laughs> of my of the business that I'm in, so they don't either endorse what I'm saying here on the show um, and don't really have anything to do with it. So if you've got something to get to me, go through Pat uh, at financialissues.org or um, like everybody else, call in or post on the uh, Facebook, social, the website. There's lots of great ways that you can get your comments heard. Now, I don't have the clip to show you today. You'll actually have to go to the website and get it yourself. But they did a story on Friday and it showed a clip. They were talking about the 87,000 new IRS agents that were funded in the Inflation Reduction Act of Joe Biden. It does nothing to reduce inflation. It does a lot to promote the agenda. So one of the things that it does is create this these 87,000 new jobs at the IRS that, by the way, you have to be willing to carry a firearm and, although they took it down, be willing to use deadly force if necessary. And you hear Ted Cruz in this clip talking about how um, that's going to be targeted at the middle class. It's not going to be targeted at the big corporations. It's it's going to be targeted at the middle class. And they're looking at um, collecting all of this, what they're saying is fraudulent tax returns, people trying to evade taxes in the middle class. Um, another thing that it does, which is pretty interesting, is it sets up some uh, programs to really go after cryptocurrency tax fraud. So if you haven't noticed in the last few years, there's been a, a check check mark on your tax return asking if you have engaged in any crypto transactions. Well, you know, 
um, we are supposed to be if you're if you're investing in crypto, you're supposed to be reporting your capital gains and losses in those crypto transactions. So even if you're just buying goods and services, you're you can have gains and losses there. So um, you know the government sees the all of the money that has been made in crypto, maybe not so much now if you still if you still hung on to it and and wrote it all the way down. But in the previous years, if you had gains in that, you were supposed to report them. So the other good thing that we see is uh, Rick Scott has a comment in there and he warns people, you know, you may not want to apply for these eighty one of these eighty seven thousand new IRS jobs. Because if the balance of power shifts in this next election, Republicans are going to defund that. And I want to hold his feet to the fire. And if, God willing, that happens, then we definitely want to do that. We definitely want to defund that part of it. You know, and that's the beauty of our country. You know, the difference between a democracy and a republic, which we have a republic In a republic, we believe that our rights are given to us by God. In a democracy, the majority rules. And we all know what the scripture says about the human heart and how wicked it is. So do we want to be ruled by man or do we want to be ruled by God? I would put forth that we want to be, continue to be ruled by God. So that's one of the beauties. If we get out and vote in this country, we make our voices heard, then we can potentially take back this country. Now, I will tell you, it, we have a long, long road to hoe if we do that. This country is in very bad shape. And I was blessed to be at the FRC conference, and we talked about all of the issues, all of the things that are eroding the moral fabric of our country. You know, this battle over life versus choice, Um the agenda of the LGBTQ community, how they're trying to take away parental rights. Some of the things I heard over the weekend were atrocious about things that are happening across this country where our children are being indoctrinated in their schools and it's being hidden from us as parents. If you don't believe it, just go watch some of the speeches from the FRC conference. They're all posted online at the FRC Pray Vote Stand Stand Conference. And that's what we have to do in this country. We have to pray first. That's, That's the first thing always. We have to vote, and then we have to stand for biblical values. So, Seth, what do we have on social or Ash Shanna? Uh, let's do some Ask Shanna here first. We've got Chris saying, I'm 42, I'm married, uh, four small kids. I'm a surgeon. I make, I assume he's saying I make 200000 a year. In a lot of education and mortgage debt, though, I've got 300000 in a biblically responsible brokerage slash IRA, 200000 in principal 401k from a former employer, and 15000 in a current employer's 401k in BlackRock. I've looked in the video tutorials for what to do. What do I do with these biblically irresponsible 401ks? Do I roll the old 401k into a new 401k and then see if the uh, John a- the, the, the uh, John Hancock will allow a non-BlackRock fund? Do I take the tax hit and get the funds out of the 401 401- and pay off all the debt. But that's a tricky one, Shannon. What are your thoughts? <laughs> yep, there's a lot there. So what I would say, the first thing that I, that I see there is that you have two 401ks that are not biblically responsible. Now, a 401k is an employer-sponsored plan, and they set up an opportunity for you to be able to contribute on a pre-tax basis. Now, one of the restrictions there usually is that they get to choose the menu of funds. And I can see there that they've included BlackRock and some others, which so many 401ks do. Unfortunately, most 401ks are not going to give you the opportunity to be biblically responsible unless you just put the money into a stable value fund or, you know, a U.S. Treasuries fund or something that's just, you know, just cash because, The problem with mutual funds out there is that they don't screen. So the good news is less than 10% of companies out there violate one of our screens for biblically responsible investing. 
making the universe pretty big, 90% or more for individual stocks. Problem with mutual funds that don't screen is that they're going to include at least one or two of those companies that are violating the screens because they're the biggest companies. And here's why, and he mentions BlackRock. So $20 trillion, that's the size of the U.S. economy, is controlled by BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. So they don't actually own these stocks. It's the people who own their mutual funds that own them. But guess what? They're getting to vote the proxies for these companies. This has led to the infiltration of corporate America. Now you have these big institutions controlling policies set by these companies. They get to vote for board of directors. They get to, you see the left coming in and drafting shareholder resolutions and all of this, and they are really influencing what is happening. So the way that you that you get out of that is to be able to build your own portfolio or to use funds like the Timothy Plan who are doing the screening for you. So one way that you get to get out of your 401k is if you terminate employment. So I see the bulk of his um, of some of his liquid assets is in an old 401k. So you should be able to, if you, if you just roll it into the new 401k, you're going to be stuck with their menu of funds, which are probably not biblically responsible either. So the option there is to roll it into an IRA account where you get to control which investments that you use. If you're using a discount brokerage, then you get to build your own portfolio there. Good stuff, Shanna. Last one here is from Jason in Arkansas on the website. He's saying, I'm in the investment 35 to 45 portfolio. What is the mutual fund Timothy fixed income? And then a follow-up question. Do you sell stock in an overweighted position if you will take a loss? Okay. So the the fixed income fund from Timothy uh, invest in uh, corporate bonds, that uh, that pay dividends, so it's like a debt instrument. It's probably you know it's not really recommended to be a, a large position in the thirty five to forty five model. And it's if you have other things that you want to invest in, it's it's really something that you don't have to focus on. Fixed income becomes more and more important the closer and closer that you get to retirement. And the second question was what again? Yeah, that second question was just asking about. Um like selling stock in an overweighted position if you know that you're going to take a loss. Yeah. Depends on how overweighted you are. So your asset allocation is the most important factor in your portfolio. It is going to control the experience that you have as far as volatility goes and return goes more than any other decision that you make in your portfolio. So you want to pay careful attention when you get over and underweighted and not get too concerned if a stock is is down. Sometimes, um, you know, we invest in companies that take a turn that we didn't see coming and we, we have to sell it. Sometimes it's just market conditions, but you don't want to rebalance too often. You know, two to four times a year is probably plenty. But if you're in that situation, if you're more than 5% overweighted in a particular sector, you've got to make some tough decisions and, you know, the, the final decision to, uh, or the, the main influencing factor shouldn't be whether or not you're up or down in that particular stock. So, folks, we are coming up on a break and we've got three calls in the queue. And it is my goal to get to all three of them when we come back from this next break. So I just encourage you, go to our website, check out the Sons of Issachar banner, donate to our year-end campaign and get a Sons of Issachar shirt. So I'm Sheena Burt with Financial Issues. We're going to be back right after this break. American Family Association President Tim Wildman. Why does AFA exist? Well, we're here to inform, equip, and activate individuals and families to transform the culture. We want to make an impact on our country for Christ. That's the reason my dad, Don Wildman, started this ministry 40-plus years ago. Dad was concerned about the direction America was headed, and he was determined to do something about it. Maybe that describes you today. If it does, I want to strongly encourage you to consider a charitable gift annuity to American Family Association Foundation. This will benefit you, and it will ensure that we stay in the fight 
for a long, long time to come. That's the AFA Foundation. Call the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800-326-4543, extension 345. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and and to to take take care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple temple of of God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read his word daily, and obey his teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250, keyword baby, pound two. 50 baby or donate securely at preborn.com that's preborn.com the opinions and recommendations expressed on this program do not necessarily represent the opinions of the station or any of the program sponsors additionally all products or services offered by the program sponsors may not be known by the program Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Bird, and we are going to get right to your calls. We have a call from Robert. Let's get right to Robert. He's calling from South Carolina. Uh, Shana, how are you today? Good. Have you guys got a video on the cash part of our portfolios? I think that would really help me. Um, there is some verbiage on, I believe it's the asset allocation page, uh, along the right-hand side there that says, that gives some instructions, and it may be on the cash part of the website, too. If it's not, I'll I'll go back and put it up there. But um, I think you can search the partner side for keywords that, that might help, so you could try that there. Okay. Shana, thank you for all you do. I appreciate you greatly. Well, let's go to Jeff. Jeff's calling from North Carolina. Good morning, Shana. Good morning. Yes, I have a question about the tracker. Uh, I'm taking your advice. I'm getting back in the market because I went money market and kind of timidly did that. But anyway, I'm back in the market now, and I'm doing divided everything up, and uh, I'm putting X amount per month. Now, uh, I'll add a stock on the tracker. Now, the next month I come in, to make the the average of my cost on the tracker so I can you know keep up with that, do I re-enter that same stock again, or is the way I could do an average on the you know the price I paid for it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the a great resource for that is your brokerage statement. You know, a lot of times you can log in and you can see your brokerage correct. will calculate the average cost for you. So you can put that in as you're putting in. Just keep it one line. The symbol oh, of the just stock. One line. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do one line, put the symbol of the stock, and then next to it, you'll put your number of shares, which if you're dollar cost averaging into it, you'll, you know, you'll you'll change the amount of shares that you have. And then from your brokerage statement, you should be able to see your average cost. And then you can put that in there for a cost basis. Yeah, because I'll use them both. I have fidelity, but your tracker is just off the chart. It's wonderful. 
anybody out there to spend the extra few dollars to get it. It's quite, quite easy to use, and it's, it's quite helpful, too. So, uh, okay, I'll do that because I didn't know if I needed to re-enter it every time, and uh, that makes it much more simple. Yep. <laughs> and I do Great. simple well. And you're a blessing, and thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. And thanks for that endorsement, too, folks. So if you're wondering what he's talking about, for $85 a year, you can be a partner of this ministry. You can have access to our buy list and sell list that's published every week. It's it's updated every week. You can also see our asset allocation models. You get to listen to our partner conference calls. The minimum investment is $85 a year, not a month, a year. And um, you'll be able to hear all of the things that we share with the partners, like being in prayer about how we can become saltier and lightier <laughs> in corporate America. That's not a word I know, but um, <laughs> how we can how we can get engaged in the uh, culture war in corporate America. So for $124 a year, just a little bit more, you get access to our tracker if you're managing your portfolio on your own. This is a tool that you cannot be without if you are following our strategy because there's nothing else like it. Um, I know I've looked for nine or 10 years to see, to try to find another tool that can help me um, navigate the the strategy that we're doing here because it's it's based on sectors and it's it's a real specific strategy. So this tracker is very simple to use, as you just heard Jeff saying, and um, it can help you see at just a quick glimpse where you're overweighted, where you're underweighted, and what move you need to make next in your portfolio. So check that out, financialissues.org. Let's see if we can get to Tom. Sure. Uh, Tom. From Arkansas, you're on financial issues. Okay, I'll try to make it quick. Uh, we're looking to uh, protect my wife's parents' property, you know, as they're getting up in age. And my wife's wanting to know, does she need to be on the deed or is a, a warranty deed good enough? Or beneficiary deed, I'm sorry, beneficiary deed. Or what, what do we need to do as far as all that goes? Okay. So I'm not a legal expert, uh, especially in the state of Arkansas. So I would encourage you to run some ideas through uh, an estate planning attorney. Now, here's the caution that I give you. You know, um, I believe the way that we have to look at assets and the things that the Lord has given us is that God gives us um, assets to help us to provide for ourselves. And so many times when you get into that estate planning, especially in the elder care uh, part of estate planning, attorneys will recommend that you try to get everything out of the parent's name, you know, so that if they do need assistance, you can force the government to pay for it because, you know, you've moved all of the assets out. And there is a five-year look back on that. So if somebody's going to go to quali- to try to qualify for Medicaid, which, in my opinion, is probably the, the the last resort because if you have assets, I think you would rather have some control over what kind of care that person gets rather than trying to get all of the money out of their name. So it, it kind of becomes a little bit of a moral dilemma for me when you go to these estate planning attorneys and they're trying. Because a lot of times they're operating out of a spirit of greed. Let's keep everything that we can. Let's pass everything that we can out of their name so that we can get the government to pay for their care when really the Lord gives us those assets to to take care of us um, during our lives. So you have to be a little bit careful there. They start; they can get really creative in recommending ways to protect um, people's assets. So, um, you know, I, I would say work with an attorney, but go in with having already thought out what your moral stance will be. Do you want to, do you believe that the assets that the parent has should be used to give them the best care possible, or do you want to try to, you know, shift those assets out of their name uh, to pass them on to the next generation. I believe that the responsibility to take care of those under your roof precedes the, um, the, or should precede the desire to pass that along to the next generation. Because, you know, God is really the one who owns everything. He controls everything. And he promised to uh, liberally supply our needs when, when we'll trust in him. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. <laughs> well, let's get to one more call. We've got Anna calling from California. Hi, Anna. Hi, Anna. Good morning. Um, I am a member and have been a member since I retired about three years ago. And I was working in the uh, local government department in public safety for many, many years. And when I retired, I retired with quite a bit of money in my IRA nationwide account. And uh, I began by uh, putting 20% of it into uh, my Charles Schwab account and started reinvesting using your using uh, financial issues method. My, my question is, is that I know that that 80% that's there is a huge amount still in my nationwide account. And, and I, I'm not sure if I should... Now, now mind you, here I am. I'm, I'm retired. I'm senior. And I'm not exactly needing the money now so I can see that 10-year range and even the 20% I put in... Um, is, is put into um, the accounts that are set up for a long range and I'll be able to get a, a certain amount of uh, money uh, in 10 years. But uh, my question has to do with how do I uh, move that 80%? Should I move it into the Charles Schwab account and then start investing or should I take some of that money and, and put it into a uh, into a, um, what do they call it when you're not in it? I or I account. A non qualified? Yes, a non qualified account. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So that's a great question. Um, so, what I would suggest that you consider is to move all of that money into, I'm assuming that the account at Schwab right now is an IRA account. So you can move all of the money from your from the retirement plan into the IRA account with no tax consequence at all. That way you're going to be able to have uh, every, any choice that you want for that money. So you can keep it in cash. You can put it into CDs. You can put it into individual stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, whatever you want. So the world becomes wide open. The world of investments becomes wide open, and you have choices to actually be biblically responsible. So I would suggest... Um, for that reason, the freedom to choose which investments you want, and also um, you're not limited to their uh, particular investment choices, um, moving it to that IRA account. Then, and also for simplicity reasons, now you're not going to have to keep up with, with two different accounts, IRA accounts, and that's going to become even more challenging as you become 72 and you have to start taking those RMDs. It's better to have everything simplified under one account. So I would recommend doing that, and then you're going to be able to be biblically responsible. And then also taking a look at your tax situation. Um, For whatever money that you can remain in the 12% tax bracket, that makes a whole lot of sense to move into a non-qualified account because I believe taxes are going to be higher in the future than what they are today, and it reduces the regulation risk, which is the government can change the rules. So, folks, we are at the end of the program. Thank you for sticking with us today. Make sure that you thank God for the freedom that He's given you and continue to protect, be a good steward of that freedom by getting engaged and voting. We just remember that everything is His, and we have to be a good steward because He's coming back, and there's going to be a test. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production. If you like what you're hearing right now, you're going to love going to the website FISM.TV. FISM.TV is the home of nationally syndicated TV, radio, and podcasts, Financial Issues with Shanna Burt, and the news show FISM News, along with a whole slew of exciting and original programs that are all biblically based. FISM.TV.